Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. I want to show you a picture this morning. We can go and put that first picture up there. Talk to me. What do you see when you see that picture? What is that? Everyone's like, is this a trick question? (laughs) An ambulance. If you said ambulance, that's correct. It's an ambulance. When I see that picture, I see an ambulance. You know what else I see? I see a symbol that points to Jesus Christ. Did you know that every ambulance that I, or just about every ambulance I've seen worldwide in all of my travels and where I've lived, just about everyone I've seen is unknowingly preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ? What am I talking about? This morning I want to bring my message from the side of an ambulance on this Frontline Heroes Sunday. It's this symbol, this next photo, this symbol right here, what we we call there the blue star of life, with what many refer to, the symbol in the middle there, they refer to that as the rod of Asclepius. Many believe, some believe that this image, the rod of Asclepius, is a symbol that dates back to statues carved in Greek mythology somewhere around 400 BC or 400 years before Christ. And that is true that you will see this image carved into statues in Greek mythology about 400 years BC. But if you study it a little farther, what you'll find out is that this symbol predates 400 BC by about a millennium, about a thousand years, about 1400 years before Jesus Christ, you'll find this symbol. And originally, this symbol was not a reference to some Greek god or, or character in Greek mythology. It's a reference that's on, on many patches of, of those that serve as frontline responders and on ambulances. You'll see that it's a reference to a miracle that God did in the middle of a barren desert somewhere around 1450 B.C. And it was a very clear message, this symbol, pointing to the Hebrew Messiah, Jesus, that would come some nearly 1,500 years later. Let me show you what I'm talking about. If you have a copy of God's Word, we're going to go to the fourth book of the Bible, Numbers chapter number 21. If you don't have a copy, there should be one in the pew rack in front of you, or we'll also put these verses up on the screen for you to be able to follow along. Uh, But we're going to go to the fourth book of the Bible, Numbers. Here, um, I don't have a lot of time to give you a lot of background and introduction, but where we find ourselves in today's passage in Numbers chapter number 21 um, is, is the children of Israel being led by Moses, their, their redeemer, that one that had brought them out of Egypt. They're wandering in the wilderness. They've been delivered by, by, by God, but they're wandering in the wilderness because they lacked faith in God for their lives. They trusted God for their salvation, if you will, for their deliverance, but they doubted God for their daily needs. They, they thought that their plan for their lives was better than God's plan. They thought that their wisdom was better than God's wisdom. I don't know about you, but sometimes I say stuff like that and it hits a little close to home. That sounds like me sometimes. I think that my plan for my life is a little bit better than God's plan sometimes, and that my wisdom might be better than His. 
God had done some, even in the wilderness, God had done some amazing miracles, and time doesn't permit me to go through those, some amazing wonders for them on a regular basis. But like us, they often found themselves self-centered and ungrateful for the multitude of blessings they had received. Often all they could focus on were their trials and their hardships. And again, their story, in in a lot of ways, if you study it, really parallels ours some 3,500 years later the story of the Israelites wandering in the wilderness. But I want you to see the first verse of this passage, this story, where we find what has throughout different cultures and different times ended up on the side of every ambulance. Uh, Where it came from, it started here in Numbers, Numbers chapter number 21, beginning in verse number 5. The Bible says in Numbers 21 verse 5, "And and the people spake against God and against Moses, saying, wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. That light bread was actually a daily miracle of manna God had given every day. But they said, we're tired of your daily miracles. We want to go back to Egypt. By the way, in Egypt, their lives were terrible. In Egypt, they were slaves. They were in bondage. But now, it's, it's, it's that human condition. Whatever the new problem is, is the only thing we can focus on. And we forget about all of God's blessings in the past. And, and they come to Moses and they said, in another, in another passage, they said, basically, you brought us out here, you brought us out here because the cemeteries weren't big enough in Egypt. And they were just, they were just grinding on their leader, on Moses, and really in, in, on God, grumbling and, and, and going there. And I see, number one in this story, the crime. For them, God wasn't enough. His love and his provision and his plan weren't good enough. In their minds, God had let them down because they had some problems in life, because everything didn't go the way they wanted it to go. And, 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 and so basically, they thought our plan would be better than God's. Why don't we just go back to Egypt, where, by the way, our lives were miserable. Revisionist history, we kind of forget where we were. Their crime was this, their crime was a lack of faith in God's plan and a lack of gratitude in God's provision. Really, it was sin. Their sin was a lack of faith in God's plan of redemption and a lack of gratitude in God's daily provision for their lives. Again, does that sound familiar to any of us? Then we see in the next verse, the curse, verse number six. The Bible says in verse 6, Numbers 21, verse number 6, it says, And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. So they're, they're doubting God, and things escalate a little quickly, don't they? Hey, God, Moses, why'd you bring us out here? And all of a sudden, God says, well, you don't appreciate what I'm going to do. And and the Bible says there was a curse that came upon the children of Israel, fiery serpents. Anybody in here, you like snakes? Anybody here? How many of you do not like snakes at all? And I don't know if any of our medical professionals or, or firefighters, if you've ever been to a call maybe where there was a snake bite or had to deal with something in a hospital room with, with a snake bite. When I was a kid, one of my first pets was a little garter snake. I had a, a little garter snake that was my pet. And uh, we, went, my, we went out of town for a few days, and I don't think we fed it enough. And I came back, and whatever his name was, I don't remember. I was like four. He was no longer. But, uh, but, but a lot of people, we don't like snakes. Well, here, God sends a curse of what, what the Bible calls fiery serpents. We don't know if maybe that described the sensation when they bit you, that it was like your leg or wherever they bit you was on fire. We do know that they were full of venom. 
And there were consequences to these snake bites, and they, they died very quickly if they were bitten by these snakes. The Bible says there, much people of Israel died. So we have consequences for their sins, their crime. Their crime is a lack of faith. Their sin, a lack of faith and a lack of gratitude. There was a curse that came because of their sin, and that curse was death. I want you to see next, the next verse, their confession. Verse number seven. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. You can imagine, if there were snakes everywhere you went, and every time they bit somebody, they died, you probably would, 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 would humble yourself real quick, right? Hey, Moses, we take it all back. We're sorry. Would you, would you talk to God, please? Do something. Get rid of these. But I love the fact that in their time, when they realized they had been wrong, they were willing to humble themselves. They, they had sinned, and there was a consequence to their sin, and they said, Moses, we were wrong. God, we were wrong. We're willing to humble ourselves. Is there a cure? Is there something you can do to fix this? Because we want your cure, God. And that's what we find next. And before I get there, let me just say this. Just as, because we see the, the curse or the consequence to their sin, just as God is a God of judgment and justice, I want to say this morning, He is also a God of mercy, of love, and of grace. God's judgment and His mercy are inseparable. Because He is holy, He must deal with our sin, but because He is love, He chooses to offer us mercy. It's up to us if we'll receive His mercy by faith. And here comes the symbol on the side of the ambulances, number four, the cure. Verse number eight, and the Lord said unto Moses, make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten when he looketh upon it shall live. Do you see it there? It says, everyone when he looks on it shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. God said, I'm going to make it very simple for every person to receive complete healing from this curse that is on them because of their sin. I'm going to make it simple. Go ahead. That thing that, I, that had been a tool or had been an object of pain, of suffering, of death, the snake that had bitten and much people of Israel had died, God said, Moses, go ahead and, and fashion a brass serpent and put it up on a pole. I want you to lift it up so that the entire nation of Israel, we're talking about probably a couple million people here, so it needed to be somewhat high so that no matter where they were living in their areas, they traveled together in the wilderness, they could look. And Moses said, anybody that has the faith enough to look at my symbol of healing, to look at that thing that I have told you to, and has enough faith to believe, if they will just look, they will live. Look, and that's my message this morning, look and live. God said, I made it very simple. There's, I'm taking that thing that was an object of pain and of suffering and of death, and now I'm going to make that an object of healing, of forgiveness, of mercy. Look and live. Believe that I am powerful enough to heal you by this symbol of a brazen serpent raised up in the wilderness. So what does that have to do with Jesus Christ? Those are my four main points, and I'm going to try to wrap it up here with a few more Scripture passages. What does that have to do with Jesus Christ? 
Did you know that about 1,500 years after those verses we just read, Jesus referenced this very symbol of a snake on a rod that's on the side of every ambulance. And he said that it was a picture pointing to the ultimate healer and Savior, Jesus himself. You see, in John 3, if you'd like to turn there, you can, or we'll put those verses on the screen as well. But in John chapter number 3, a religious man named Nicodemus came to Jesus. And he asked Jesus, he said, how can I find eternal life? How can I have my sins forgiven? And Nicodemus came, by the way, he was a man who knew the Bible, but he didn't know Jesus. He was a man that knew all about religion. He knew how to, he knew how to dress. He knew the right words to say. He went to, if we would call it church, he went to synagogue, he went to temple every week. He was actually a leader in religion. This was a very spiritual man, highly respected man, and he comes to Jesus. He comes by night. We don't know exactly why he comes by night. Some suggest that it would have been really bad for a, for a religious leader like him, a, a Pharisee, a Jew, to be seen with Jesus. And these verses we're about to read, they lead into what is probably the most famous, most familiar Bible verse in the entire world. And in these verses that are, this verse that's more well known than probably any other Bible verse, Jesus references back to Numbers 21 and talks about the symbol that you'll see if you pass an ambulance on the road today. I want you to see a portion of what Jesus said to this religious man who knew all about religion but didn't have a relationship with Christ. I want you to see it in John 3, verse number 14. Jesus says, as he's answering the question, how do I get to heaven? Jesus says in verse 14, if you have it there, would you read it aloud with me? Ready? Begin. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Verse 15, he says, that whosoever, that's you and that's me, whosoever, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, that's eternal death, but have eternal life. And here's probably the most famous verse in, in all of Scripture, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, our story isn't all that different from the children of Israel in 1450 B.C., is it? Now in 2022 A.D., we're wandering in this wilderness of life, sometimes upset when the circumstances that come our way don't go the way we wish they had. Sometimes maybe you're sitting here this morning wondering if God has failed us or forgotten you. Sometimes we complain about his plan and his provision, don't we? And all of us sometimes react just like they did. That sin against God, a lack of faith in his plan and a lack of gratitude in his provision. Our crime is that we have sinned against God. We've cheated, we've lied, we've stolen, we've lusted, we've coveted, we've sinned. And the Bible says, Paul told the Romans in Romans 3, verse number 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you're sitting here this morning, you have fallen short of the glory of God, and so have I. We all have sinned in our lives. That's our crime. Our crime is our sin, but that, and because of our crime, our sin, there is a curse that man lives under when we are without God. It is the curse of eternal death. The Bible says in Romans chapter number 6, verse number 23, the Bible says, for the wages or payment of sin is what, church? 
The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, after this the judgment. There are two deaths. If you don't know Christ, you will die physically, and then you will die and spend eternity in a place called hell, the Bible says, spiritually. But if you know Christ, there's only one death, the physical death. You see, he says there, our crime is our sin, our payment, the curse of that sin is death. Just like, the, you see, this thing of the children of Israel getting bitten by snakes wasn't about people in a desert getting bitten by snakes. It was about God showing his people and pointing to a savior that would be coming 1,500 years later. It was about God showing his people, I have a cure for your curse, but you have to humble yourself and be willing to look and live. To look to Jesus and live. It doesn't stop with the curse, and I'm so glad. Romans 6, verse 23 doesn't stop there. There's a second half to the verse, and it's a whole lot more exciting than the first half. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what, church? Eternal life forever. Life forever with God in heaven is eternal life. Through who? Through Pastor Ryan? No. Through the Baptist church? No. Through the Catholic church? No. Through any church? No. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's the cure. And Jesus said, as Moses raised up the serpent in the wilderness, that picture of healing, that's why it's on the side of the ambulance. It's a picture of health. It's a picture of healing. As Moses raised up a serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And who, if he's lifted up, whoever will place their faith in Christ will live. There is a cure. It's a gift. It's free. It's simple. Just like he used the snake, a symbol of pain and death to bring healing and health to those, those same people that have been bitten by a deadly snake, with Jesus, he used an object of pain and suffering and death, the cross, to bring complete healing and health and life. The snake, an object of death, of suffering, became an object of life, of healing. The cross, an object of death and suffering, became an object of life and of healing. This is good. I want you to see this as we get ready to wrap it up. Romans chapter number five, verses six through nine. The Bible says this, for when we were yet without strength, we didn't have, we didn't have it on our own. Uh, Greg said it in his testimony video. And he said, you know what? I decided I'm going to use my GPS. What was he saying? I don't know how to get there on my own. When we were without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Then it says, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth or showed his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. What is that, what is that passage teaching us? When you had no strength and no ability to save yourself, Jesus, the girls and the ladies just sang about it, Jesus shed his own blood to pay for our sins. Can you imagine someone giving their own blood to give you life? Law enforcement officers regularly risk their lives to protect ours. Firefighters do the same. I read about the story in May of 2006 of Dr. Samuel Weinstein. Dr. Weinstein performed one of the most unusual surgeries of his storied career. He was a, a pediatric cardiothoracic chief surgeon at Montefiore Medical Center in the Bronx. 
He had traveled to El Salvador for life-saving procedures on needy children. It was through the Ministry of Heart Care International he was set up to operate on the heart of eight-year-old Francisco Fernandez. The surgery started at 11 o'clock a.m., and the surgery was going well, but here was the problem. It lasted about 12 hours. And in this country, they didn't have a lot of the medicines that you and I would use to help, or that we would use here in America to help stop bleeding. And this boy had been bleeding and come to find out had a very rare blood type that only about 2% of the world has, and they had run out of blood to put back into his body. So the surgery was going well, but they realized we still have a little bit of time, and there's a good chance this little boy is going to bleed out if something doesn't change. True story. 2006 in El Salvador, Dr. Weinstein said, well, what blood type is he? And, and the answer came, B minus, I'm B minus, B negative, there's not B minus. <laughs> I was thinking of my science grade right there, not my blood type. <laughs> B minus. You can tell I, I didn't go to medical school. B negative. B negative. The doctor said, you know what? I'm B negative. So he stepped away from the operating table for about 20 minutes. He gave a pint of his own blood. He rehydrated one of, one of his fellow doctors, gave him a Pop-Tart, true story, and then he completed the successful operation with his own blood, saving the boy's life. What a beautiful story of service and sacrifice. On a scale infinitely larger, Christ gave his own blood to save the life of every person who accepts the indescribable gift of his love and forgiveness. He has the rarest blood of them all. It's sinless blood. There's no one else that can pay for your sins. He's the only one. He, he paid for your transgressions and mine. He stepped aside from the glories of heaven to give his rare life-giving blood so that we could know a life unlike any we've known before. I'm going to skip through the next 10 or 11 verses I was going to read for the sake of time, and I'm going to close this up. I want, I want us to know Jesus is the cure for just about, for, not just about, for everything that is wrong in this world and in your life. And just as God made it simple in numbers for them to find temporary healing, God made it simple for you and I to find eternal healing. The Bible says it just takes the faith of a child. You know what you have to do? Look and live. Look and live. Well, how, how do you do that? How do you look and live? Paul told the Romans in Romans chapter number 10, verse number 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, the last four words there, church, what does it say? Thou shalt be what? Thou shalt be saved. Romans 10, verse 10, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You keep seeing that word, whosoever, don't you? Jesus said in John 3, verse 16, whosoever, God so loved the world, everybody, that, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You and I we have a crime. We've committed sin. We've fallen short of the glory of God. And there is a curse. There is a penalty for that sin. The Bible says it's death. But I, I'm glad it didn't stop there. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is a cure to the plague that, that is killing mankind. It is Jesus Christ. And all we have to do is humble ourselves and confess. We believe by faith that Christ alone is the one we're trusting in for salvation. 
My question to you this morning is, will you accept Christ today and let him change your life forever? You saw a testimony today of somebody that did that about a year ago. I'm standing here before you. I didn't grow up, wasn't born into church. I was raised by a single mom. My mom and dad were never married. I was born out of wedlock. We never went to church. Greg mentioned his adult life. He never really went to church. I, I remember at the age of nine, having been in a church, I think three times for a Christmas Eve service at a Presbyterian church with my grandma once or twice, and maybe one other. I, I say three because I'm guessing there's one or two in there I forgot. I really only remember one service. And I walked into a church like this, and my life was forever changed the first time I walked into a church like this when I heard the truth that there is a cure for the curse of sin in my life. And by faith, I didn't understand it all, I didn't know a lot about the Bible, but by faith I looked to Christ, and I believe by faith that I will live eternally. Will you let Him change your life forever? Because once you experience the love of Christ personally, you'll never be the same. I want to close with one of the most powerful 90-second videos I think I've ever seen. It's the video of 18-year-old Shelby Houston speaking two months ago in December. Some of you may have read about this story. Shelby's dad, Richard Houston, was a 21-year veteran of the Mesquite, Texas Police Department. On December 3rd of 2021, he was responding to a domestic disturbance in a grocery store parking lot at 1.40 in the afternoon, where a husband, a wife, and a daughter were fighting. Officer Houston talked with the man's wife and daughter, and then he approached the man who was sitting in his vehicle. Tragically, the man pulled a gun and shot Officer Houston twice before turning the gun on himself and shooting himself in the head. Officer Houston was killed in the line of duty that day. His murderer was hospitalized for a time, but ended up living. I don't know about you, but when I hear stories like that, my first thought is, that's not fair. That's not right. The good guys are supposed to win, not the bad guys. It causes anger, and, and, and I can't even imagine if it were somebody close to me, or, but it causes anger and a desire for vengeance on a person that would do something like that in my heart naturally. By the way, I think that's a natural response for all of us, isn't it? But that's what makes Shelby's eulogy of her dad so amazing. She spoke for about eight minutes at the funeral, and I don't, I don't know if I could say what she says, but it truly shows the power of the gospel and the change that Jesus' love can make in our lives. She expresses unbelievable forgiveness, but only because she has received the unbelievable forgiveness of Christ. We've clipped about a minute and a half of her eight-minute eulogy. I remember having conversations with my dad about him losing friends and officers in the line of duty. I have heard all the stories you can think of, but I've always had such a hard time with how the suspect is dealt with. Not that I didn't think there should be justice served, but my heart always ached for those who don't know Jesus. Their actions being a reflection of that. I was always told that I would feel differently if it happened to me, but as it's happened to my own father, I think I still feel the same. There has been anger, sadness, grief, and confusion, and part of me wishes I could despise the man who did this to my father, but I can't get any, of, any part of my heart to hate him. All that I can find is myself hoping and praying for this man to truly know Jesus. I thought this might change if the man continued to live, 
But when I heard the news that he was in stable condition, part of me was relieved. My prayer is that someday down the road, I'd get to spend some time with the man who shot my father. Not to scream at him, not to yell at him, not to scold him, simply to tell him about Jesus. How does someone respond like that? I don't know if I could. The only answer to that is something supernatural. A love and a grace and a mercy that she's received. And she wants everybody else, even the one who has changed her life forever on this earth, to receive. Richard Houston only had 46 years on this earth. He and his family didn't know that that would be his final day on earth. But they do know they'll see him again in heaven someday. You see, Houston was an unashamed believer in Christ. He had made a decision to look to Christ and live. Mesquite Assistant Police Chief Doug Yates said, Houston, one time, one shift, spent an entire shift just praying after a colleague had died of cancer. He was an outspoken light for Christ in his department. His, his, his assistant chief, when they were uh, getting the things out of his car after his tragic death, you know what was in his, in his squad car? His Bible. His faith informed who he was, and it passed down, obviously, to his 18-year-old daughter, Shelby. His chief said this, Richard didn't just go to church. Richard walked with God each day. You know what he said? Richard wasn't just a religious man. He had a relationship with Jesus. And here's my question for everyone here. Has there been a time and a place in your life when you've looked to Christ so that you can live eternally? It's not some complicated religious process or ceremony. It's a personal decision. Today, as Greg said, I can trust in Greg or I can trust in God. Like the children of Israel, I can try to follow my plan or I can try to follow God's. And they got lifted up in pride and they followed their own for a while. And then you know what they did? They said, we're sorry. What's the answer? What's the cure? And for them, 3,500 years ago, the cure was a brass snake on a pole that has been passed down through millennia that ended up on the side of our ambulances. Jesus said, for us, the answer isn't a brass snake on a pole. For us, it's the Son of Christ. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.